All right. I'm going to put you right here. Welcome, everybody, to the Boredom Breaker podcast. My name is Jeremy Bushell. I'm here with my co-host. Why don't you say hello, co-host? Hello, co-host. <laughs> my name is uh, Ian Porter. And we... I'm at you from uh, Norman, uh, actually Oklahoma City. Um, so... The Boredom Breaker podcast, the reason we, we're doing this is because we want to entertain uh, ourselves, each other, and whomever else likes to be entertained. And hopefully we can um, learn to agree to disagree, disagree and also have a fairly well-engaged conversation of some sort. Uh, Ian, anything you wanted to say before we um, dive in? Um... No, I really, uh, one thing I really want to try to do with this is, you know, just, just spread the real love of Jesus and not the fake watered down Jesus that a lot of us Christians cling to. Mm-hmm. What, can you give me an example? So when you say real, real love of Jesus, I think I kind of grasp that as being like legitimate or true or honest or. Um, full uh, love, kind of different ways of, of throwing that in there. But when you say watered down, what do you mean by that? Well, you know, one thing that Jesus does a lot in the Bible that we seem to have a tough time with now is uh, he'll say something challenging, mm-hmm. and the people won't understand it, and they'll walk away, and he'll let them walk away. Yeah. Um, so he doesn't shy away from saying things that, uh, he doesn't think people will like. He says the truth right? without worrying about that. And, uh, if they don't like it, he doesn't try to stop them. Right. And so, uh, you know, that's kind of what I mean. Like where, you know, we feel like, oh no, no, well, what I really meant was, you know, oh this, or, you know, I, you know, we struggle to kind of explain ourselves and, and make it really easy to swallow or water it down so that people will not leave. Um. And I don't really think that is the way Jesus would handle it. Right. So a lot of backpedaling to to make the the message fit to the um, to the listener, as opposed to making the listener um, mold to the message. Like Christ's message should be central. Yes, it is love, but it's also truth and sometimes hard truth. Um, you know, I've heard the analogy before that uh, a doctor who finds out that a, his patient has cancer, doesn't tiptoe around it and think, oh, I don't want to hurt his feelings or I don't want to scare him or, you know, man. I, but no, a, a good doctor is going to say, hey, you have cancer. I'm sorry if I hurt your feelings, but it's true. Now let me provide the remedy or let's let's move forward with the right plan to cure you of this cancer. Cure you of this cancer. Similarly, the gospel is, hey, you have a real problem, um, and you should be worried because this is a detrimental problem. However, come to Christ and you will live. Like, and a lot of people don't like that because their own lives are, I mean, uh, autonomy is a pretty um, uh, addictive thing. Like, we, I can be in control of myself. I can, I can own my own actions. I can have what I want when I want. Like, the, the idea of autonomy is pretty, I would I, I use the term addictive. I don't know if that's what I'm really wanting to say, but it's like, Man, I, I can be my own god. I can be my own boss, my own lord, and that's boy. It's sure hard to get rid of that temptation. 
Yeah, no, I think addicted is probably the right word. Um, honestly, we can become addicted to anything. Yeah. The feeling, substance, obviously. Um, and, um, had a thought and it's gone. Yeah. It's gone. Well, if you think about it again, interrupt me. I'm going to go in. I'm going to try to have a quote a day. Or not a day, a week. Well, I got quotes. I got quotes for days, but we're going to do a quote of the week. And this week I happen to have two just because, you know, given given the times, I thought both of these were, were fairly um, relevant. Uh, the first one, it's from the book Idols for Destruction uh, by Herbert Schlossberg. And he said, we need a theological interpretation of disaster, one that recognizes that God acts in such events as captivities, defeats, and crucifixions. The Bible can be interpreted as a string of God's triumphs disguised as disasters. You know, and I think we see that all throughout the scriptures. Um, you know, and I think, so for, the first example uh, is Joseph being sold into slavery and his brothers betraying him. But what ends up happening is all of Egypt and the surrounding area is spared because Joseph had the dreams. The Pharaoh had his dream. Um, Joseph interpreted Pharaoh's dreams. He said there's going to be seven years of plenty followed by seven years of uh, famine. So let's prepare ourselves now. And um, it's Genesis 50, 20 that says um, he, Joseph is saying to his brothers, what you planned for evil, God planned for good, the saving of many lives. Then we also see at the cross of Christ, you got the Roman Empire, the the Jewish um, religion, and they're all kind of converging together to put Christ on a cross. And but that was God's plan all along. So even like the great the greatest evil you can imagine, which is perfect sinless Son of God being put to death by at the hands of evil men ended up being the greatest good ever imagined, the saving of many lives. And and so we look at whatever's going on in our society today and think of how terrible it is and how there's so much division, there's so much hatred, nobody's listening to one another, there's just blind rage all around. And that's, it's, it's evil and it's terrible and how disastrous is it? But if we had a better God perspective, which we don't, we're, you know, we're, we're, we're within time, we're not infinite. But what's going to happen in five years or in 20 years? And yeah, things may get worse, but we know that God works through not just works through, but also plans. I mean, if, if, we're, if we're understanding scripture, right, it says God planned it for good. So God plans even these evil circumstances. I know that's, that's kind of a, a conflicting theological perspective at times, but these terrible things that happen are planned by God to bring about good. And so we have to come to grips with that. Well, it's true. I mean, I think that... Um just going back to what you said with Jesus on the cross, I mean, that was obviously planned. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that, that he couldn't have just uh, left it to chance to hopefully happen. No, it had to happen. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I, I go what you're saying there. Yep. And so the, the other quote that I wanted to share this week is by C.S. Lewis, none other than, you know, the great C.S. Lewis. The If, you, if you're going to have a quote, you got to have a C.S. Lewis quote, right? So, um <laughs> It's in his book, um, The Weight of Glory. It's actually something C.S. Lewis wrote from, it's called, uh, I think, something about learning in wartime. And he says, if we let ourselves, we shall always be waiting for some distraction or other to end before we can really get down to our work. The only people who achieve much are those who want knowledge so badly that they seek it while the conditions are still unfavorable. Favorable conditions never come. And so it's kind of related to the other quote, whereas, you know, 
The kingdom of God advances by all these many defeats or, or triumphs disguises defeats. You know, you got this problem, that problem, this problem, that problem, but it's the kingdom of God advancing. And C.S. Lewis is saying favorable conditions never come, but, but those who actually achieve are those who want knowledge so badly that they're going to pursue it even during difficult times. And so uh, I think the, the goal during these, these dark days in our, in our nation and in the world is to say, hey, let me engage more. Let me become more proactive in my education, in my family, in my, you know, in my work. Like there's, there's hope ahead of us. And I want it now, so I'm going to pursue it now. Not, oh man, things are bad, so let's hide and wait for them to get better. <laughs> yeah, I do love me a C.S. Lewis quote. <laughs> Got some great quotes. Yep. Um, do you want to kind of give a quick outline of what it is that we're hoping to cover in each episode, like one way or another, and kind of a, an idea of what, what um, we um, have kind of motivated behind our, our podcast? You mean like a structure of sorts? Sure. Yeah. Um, well, we don't. We, I know we spoke about it. We don't want them to be too long. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, we're not gonna have hour and a half podcast or whatever. That's that's too much. Um, I mean, I know personally. I, I listen to podcasts, you know, on the way to and from work, and it's like a twenty-five minute drive. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, I don't necessarily want to have to take uh, you know four trip one podcast right um and so we, we want to kind of keep it short um but we also we're going to kind of start out um just kind of talking about a, a specific topic amongst ourselves just the three of us uh tannery uh we'll i pick something beforehand and then kind of go back forth about it a little bit and then hopefully uh we'll have a guest um Mm-hmm. Hopefully every podcast, maybe not every podcast, so we can't necessarily count on that every every week. Right. But, um, you know, maybe halfway through or so, we'll get him in or her in and go from there and kind of interview them and see what their life is like. Yeah. Yeah, and one of the things I, I guess I kind of wanted to point out there, too, is that uh, we, we kind of want to have a fine balance, not a fine balance, but it's a generic balance between philosophy, theology, science, um, psychology, you know, and then what was the other one? I said ignorance. Is that, is that what I yeah. kind of joked at? Yeah. So because it's, it's well, that's the one that's combining or that you know yep. groups us all together. Yeah, yeah. Ignorance is is in the middle, and then on on all four sides of the circle, which I know that's a joke in and of itself. Um, there, there's going to be psychology, theology, philosophy, and science, and we're all. Um, Oh, who, see, now I'm thinking of another quote, and, and I'll, maybe I'll, I'll have to save it for another time, but it was, um, we are all ignorant just of different subjects or something like that. I think it was Carl Rogers, or I'm obviously way wrong, and I should look it up for a future podcast, but, you know, it's, nobody has all knowledge, you know, apart from Christ, um, but we're limited in our scope. The, you know, even somebody who's an expert in science doesn't necessarily know all that much about philosophy although you know you can talk about the philosophy of science and then you get into a whole kind of a subcategory or more you know specific um uh path so to speak but there's we're all learning from one another and i think two two ideas or not two ideas two um problems that i see 
both between Christians and non-Christians, so, you know, fill in the blank, atheist, Buddhist, um, Muslim, etc., it doesn't really matter, you, you run into cognitive dissonance and you run into um, confirmation bias. And I think you're actually the one that, that really, um, you shared a podcast with me a while back, and it was about confirmation bias. It was, what's his name? The guy who wrote the... Uh, Brian Hansen. Yep. Yeah, and he talked about confirmation bias in that podcast and it really kind of struck me because um you know the type of apologetics that i like is presuppositional apologetics which presupposes that there is a god like you're standing on god's word you're not really given room for neutrality um because neutrality is is really a myth jesus himself said those who aren't for me are against me but that doesn't mean that a person is not brought up in a certain way in which they have learned to deny the truth of God and have not received the knowledge of the gospel. So their confirmation bias is, is in reality, it is the, the only truth they know. And so for a Christian, we Christians also have confirmation biases, um, whether they're true or false, and, and there's different understandings within that. And so it's really hard. I'll say it's really hard even for Christians to to learn new truths and to accept new truths. Um, not that, I'm sorry, not that the truths themselves are new, because if it's true, it's true whether it's old or new. That doesn't make sense. But to accept a truth as new to themselves, I'll say. Um, and then as to cognitive dissonance, basically cognitive dissonance is the understanding of, uh, or the lack of understanding, rather. It's, it's where you, you profess a belief, but then your life reflects something else. So it's, it's, the cognitive meaning, you know, the inner workings of your mind or brain and understanding and dissonance, just like a, a dislocation. And so, and again, I believe this is true for Christians and non-Christians alike. Uh, and I'll give an example and then I'm going to let you talk because I, I need to shut myself up more often. Uh, so a, a Christian will say, Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father but through him. You know, it's John 14, 6. A Christian will say, you know, John 14, 6, and believe it, but then they'll believe, well, that, but that's just for me. Uh, you know, Christianity doesn't have to be true for other people. Like, well, you, the, the two, you can't have both of those. It doesn't commute. Either Jesus Christ is the only way, which means Buddha isn't, Muhammad isn't. It, uh, it, it becomes exclusive, not that Christians need to be exclusive in their outreach and their love for others, but Jesus is exclusive in his um, in, in the kingdom of God and coming, bringing people to the Father, Jesus is exclusively the only way. So you can't profess that you're a Christian, uh, but then at the same time say that other religions might also be true. That's it just doesn't work. Well, Jesus himself says that I am the way mm -hmm. and the truth and the light. And so, um, I mean, that right there proves exactly what you just said. Yep. Um, he doesn't say I or Buddha or, you know, <laughs> I or this other thing, and he says I, um, and kind of um, backing up a little bit back to uh, you talking about biases. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I, I, everyone struggles with all kinds of different biases, not just not just uh, you know confirmation bias or or um, anything like that. But um, uh, it's not something where. You know, we're better than other people where, oh, we can see these things clearly. No, every single person on the planet struggles with these things. That's why mm -hmm. they um, put it in psychology and, and uh, 
psychologists learn about them to help other people uh, try to avoid them. But um, yeah, it's it's something that we're always going to be struggling with, you know, Christian or not. We're not any better than anyone else. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only difference between me and someone else is that I recognize that you saved me. Yeah, that's it. I still sin just like everybody else. Uh, still, there's things that um, I sin, and I don't even know if to sin. Yeah, uh, you know. That I, I I can't no not one person can remain 100% completely vigilant all the time. Right. Um, you know, it's something everyone's gonna struggle with, and you know, that's not a I'm not trying to give myself a, a, a way out or something, but you know, that's just reality. We're always gonna screw up, and uh, other people are gonna screw up, and they're not gonna know it, and I'm gonna screw up, and I'm gonna know it. Um, you know, we we've talked about um, you know, we're not gonna agree on everything. Well, you know, I might say something that ticks you off, and I may not even know it, you know? Uh-huh. And so that, that's maybe something we'll end up talking about. But, um, you know, all that to say is that just because I call myself a Jesus follower doesn't make me better than than the next person who doesn't. Right. Yeah, and that's that's an interesting point because, you know, when you say better than or I'm not better than, it, it, it's like, well, what's the whole point anyway like it it's uh, it, Ravi Zacharias the the late apologist used to say Jesus didn't die to make bad people good um he died to make dead people alive you know it's it's when i think the problem in a lot of ways with modern christianity is it does become a therapeutic moralistic um deism <laughs> so, so so basically therapeutic means okay, i get to feel better about myself moralistic is okay now um, I'm living a better life, and deism is like there's a god. Like if that's all Christianity is boiled down to is therapeutic moralistic deism, then we've really we really missed the point of what Jesus taught. And that, and so that to take it away from the you know being better than others, which you you denied that fact, and and I agree with that. But Jesus's point was. I mean, the, one of the very first things he said after his temptation in the wilderness, after, so he was baptized, he went and was tempted in the wilderness, and then he began his public ministry, and he started by saying, repent, the kingdom is at hand. So he started his ministry by talking about the kingdom. The Sermon on the Mount was heavily um, focused on the kingdom of God. Um, that's The Sermon on the Mount is, is where he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all these things will be added to you. It's also where we hear the Lord's Prayer in which there's thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Um, then the, a lot of the parables that Jesus talked about was the kingdom of God. I, I had a conversation a while back with a, a believer, and we, we, he was talking about end times and stuff like that. And I brought up the idea of the kingdom of God, and he's like, well, what do you mean by that? And I was kind of like, well, okay, uh, yeah, we don't – I can't say that I know all the fine-tunings of what it means to be a part of the kingdom of God. But modern-day Christianity doesn't even think about that. Like it's like what what is it that we're focused on when Jesus' number one focus was the kingdom of God and for the, and for the Father to be glorified? And if that's what we preached on, on Sundays was – Let's let's glorify the Father and let's pursue the kingdom of God. I think, as opposed to all the other um, fringe stuff or the unnecessary extra fluff, and I think we would see a, a big difference in in our nation, especially back to I think your very first point in um, 
uh, the the real love. You know, and, and not this, you know, soft, mushy, nice guy stuff, but um, but the real love of Jesus, which included um, the kingdom of God. So. Well, and something earlier uh, reminded me of the, of the thing I forgot earlier. I also pulled up a notepad. I'm going to start typing things so okay, that way cool. I don't forget. I'm really focusing on like remaining in the moment and actually listening because I have this this bad habit of I have this thought and I start thinking about that thought and what I'm going to say yep. and I start totally ignoring you. And so, but in that trying to pay attention to you, I forgot what I was going to say. Mm. <laughs> so, um, but what uh, I, I was thinking about, um, you know, everyone's heard Jesus didn't come for, uh, Jesus didn't come to save, um, he came to save the sick. Um, right. He didn't come. Uh, you don't need a doctor if you're not sick. Right. Well, um, uh, I think that has two meanings. I mean, there's an obvious meaning of yeah, he came to save unbelievers. Okay, well, we all get that. Right. Um, but at the time of Jesus, uh, there were so many people, all the religious leaders, that were not following him, even though they thought they were. Yep. Um, and. Uh, what I get from it is, is he wasn't out there blasting non-believers. He was out there blasting the people that thought they had it all figured out, and that were telling other people that, "Hey, I'm this and that, and I, I know what I'm doing." And um, he was out there. Um, yeah, th those were the people that he really came and focused on. Mm -hmm. And of course, he was out there saving non-believers. Obviously, you know that 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 was part of it. But he wasn't blasting them. He was out there helping them and healing them. Yeah, well, a couple of areas where where I'll push back a little bit. One is, and I think you'll you agree with this. Maybe I don't want to say I'm I'm challenging your words. Maybe I did misunderstand where you were really emphasizing, because one the the Samaritan woman at the well, who actually this is it's really cool because she ended up being like the his very first evangelist. Um, it's the one where well, actually there's two stories. I, I I'd have to double check to look it up, but the one is he he he's saying give me some water and she's asking about the water and jesus is, challenges her about her husband and she's like uh, i don't have a husband he's like you're right you don't um she had I, I don't know three or four previous husbands and then the one she's with now is not her husband and you know kind of confronts her but she ends up going to to share about jesus and and says i really like the line i, sh I should grab my bible and look it up but she says, come see a man who knows everything I've ever done. And I think, which, what Christian today shares that as their evangelism? Like, it's, it's, it's more like, you know, Jesus died for our sins so that we can go to heaven. Right? But this girl, or this, this woman, her, her version of evangelism was, hey, this guy knows everything I've ever done. I would be too scared. I wouldn't, I wouldn't dare go tell any of my friends that. Like, Hey, guess what? You want to know everything I've ever done? Like, Jesus knows, <laughs> and yet, and she she said she shared it in such a a a warm and and like a, a freeing way, as in like the burden was gone. Come see somebody who who knows everything I've ever done, and yet I have the freedom and the hope to say that. I think that's we almost put on like you said, uh, uh, only the sick need doctors. 
but we almost put and back to the Pharisees that Jesus referred to them as whitewashed tombs. We almost put on this 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 makeup or this mask or this you know let's let's put hand sanitizer all over our bodies and go to church because we don't want to be honest and say come see come see the one who knows everything we've ever done. We want to go and say Jesus saved me and now I got it from here. I'm taking care of myself. I'm doing better. Right. Um, no, I think you are actually pretty much agreeing with me. I don't think, <laughs> you know, you're, 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 what you said is not contrary. Right. Um, and I think even taking it one step further, it's not just that come see the one who um, knows everything I've ever done. It's come see the one who knows everyone I've ever done and still loves me. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, you know, I, I think that's probably the most important part of that is that he didn't. Um, he didn't rip her apart, you know, he, he talked with her and he had a conversation with her and then he said, go and sin no more. And that's not him treating her badly. That's him saying, okay, um, now you've experienced my love. Go share that with other people. Yeah. Sorry. Um, I have to, our, our interview later on, he's needing the link. So I gotta open that up. But the, um, yeah, let me see if I can do this. I'm going to have to open that up. So, you were saying, now go share that love with other people. So, basically, the idea there is, okay, we're saved, but you can't just stop the conversation with we're saved. We have to say, so what were we saved from? Okay, we're saved from our sin. Okay, but that's still not the end of the conversation. What are we saved to? And you, know, you can say we're saved from death to life. We're saved from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of God, kingdom of light. You know, we're saved from not caring about other human beings, at least not to the fullest extent, to caring about other human beings, which, you know, presupposes that we will be not not necessarily street evangelists or, you know, campus preachers or, you know, I think there is a time and a place for that. And there are people who are gifted with the gift of evangelism and and God bless them. But all of us uh, need to, in the way we speak and the way we act towards others, we need to be reflecting Christ. By the way, is this the double barrel in Great Falls? Yes. Okay, so I got the right one. Okay. You looked it up? Yes, I did. Okay. Yeah, we're going to um, – I just sent him his link, so uh, he should be climbing on anytime. I see Tanner's been uh, – Tanner didn't – I don't know what he's going now. He, he saw he responded about maybe coming here. He didn't know about when we were starting, but – Yeah. So he's supposed to be coming to your house? I imagine. But – Either way, um, let me text Lucas and tell him he can jump on anytime. And we can at least have a a, a, a subpar audio. Hey, oh, holy cow, there he is. He jumped on anyway. Hello, good <laughs> sir. Lucas, can you hear us? Are you there, Lucas? Are you there, Lucas? Can you see me and hear me? Yes, sir. We got you. 
We're at right 27 on. minutes so far. I might I might edit a little bit, but Ian and I have just been chit-chatting. Tanner hasn't been able to join us yet. I don't know. Um, he might be here a little bit later, but um, this is Ian. Ian, this is Lucas. Hey, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. So uh, I guess <gasps> we'll pretend like we've got our <laughs> listeners, and I want to welcome – Lucas to the Boredom Breaker podcast, where if you're bored or if you're dumb, we're going to break that. We're gonna, we don't want to be bored or dumb, so it's the Boredom Breaker podcast. And um, we want to, um, Lucas, why don't you just start by introducing yourself? Tell us a little bit about um, what you do and, and, and introduce the double barrel and kind of explain some of that. Sure. No, my name's Lucas here, and uh, I guess. Uh... <laughs> I don't do much at all, Jeremy, you know that, but no, I, I'm a partner in the Double Barrel Coffee House Cafe, and uh, um, that's kind of a, something we open for a, a hobby to make a difference in this world, and uh, something we do for fun. I work full-time at Gore Hill Self Storage. Um, that's my day job. That pays the bills and provides everything for my family. Uh, I've got a beautiful wife and four boys, and that takes care of most of my life. Mm-hmm. What what makes the double barrel unique in your community? Hopefully a lot. <laughs> hopefully hopefully it's different. Um, when when our partners and us started uh, planning the double barrel, we we had some lines that we drew in the sand, just things that uh, we were never going to step across, that we were always going to do, that we committed to, um, and a lot of that revolved around really being involved with our community whether it be the city and uh, surrounding areas of great falls or or the people that work for us we call them partners because they're partnered in everything that we're going to do the double barrel is really a ministry to start described as a business and uh when we came together to do all that um we uh were thinking we weren't set on opening a restaurant but in the end it came down to hey what's going to give us more of a platform and more interaction with people day in, day out than any other business. And uh, against all wisdom and uh, ideas of ever making any profit, uh, we put aside all other business ideas and decided to go to it in with a restaurant because uh, we knew there'd be people coming every day. People love food. Uh, God's always used food to gather people, and we wanted to use that as a, a way to get in front of people and uh, have an influence in our lives and be part of our community. Awesome. Now, when you said against all wisdom, can you kind of explain what you mean by that? Well, most people, when they open a business, they're they're seeking profit um, or return on investment. Um, a mom and pa restaurant has an average return nationwide of six uh, percent. Very small profit margins. Eighty percent of all businesses that start of any kind uh, close within the first year. Uh, restaurants are higher. And uh, out of those 20% that make it through the first year, 80% of those close the second year. So when looking at something that would be viable and uh, a prolonged uh, influence, restaurants probably weren't the best way to go. Okay. Now, you said you did just, you just celebrated your second year, correct? November 12th, yes, sir. Awesome. Okay, congratulations. Thanks. Uh, so I'm going to use this. I'm going to use the term pagan culture just to mean a a non-Christian culture, a non-Christ glorifying culture. So you run you you. 
own, I guess you don't run it, but you own a restaurant in a pagan culture. Um, how, and I, I know that's a harsh term, it's, it's kind of, it sounds harsh to say pagan because I don't think anybody would like to be referred to as a pagan, but what would you say are some of the, um, um, some of the greatest joys and some of the most, um, most difficult parts of, of um, doing so in a pagan culture? Well, I think we all know that uh, God grows us through trials and tribulations and stretching and working out. And uh, it's not the easy things that uh, that give the best yield or give the best crop. You know, you, you have to work. And uh, so, you know, in a pagan culture, per se, we know there's going to be people that don't align with our beliefs. There's going to be people that uh, attack us, that uh, don't like us, that... Um, might not be up for having uh, scripture on the walls or uh, maybe even somebody offering to pray with them. But when we set out, our, our good friend, uh, Matt, he, he was reading through the scriptures and he came to Jeremiah and he got to 29. And a lot of us know 29:11 by heart, you know, for I know the plans I have, it, says the Lord. And, you know, to give you hope in the future, to, you know, prosper you and not harm you. And, and then, you know, it goes on to say, if you seek me, you will find me. But he backed us up to the beginning of that and really gave us some context. And, and, uh, you know, here we have the Israelites They're They've been exiled They're They're making their rounds. They find themselves in Babylon and all the people there are pagan per se to them. Mm -hmm. Um, they don't get along. They're not, you know, they've always been raised not to, to mix cultures and, um, they don't, they just don't like being there. They're, they're grumbling to God. They're unhappy. And, you know, God through Jeremiah there, he comes to him and he says, hey, and this is really, you know, prevalent in four through seven. He's like, hey, guys, I've got you here for a reason. I want you to do these things. I want you to to build plant roots. I want you to build houses. I want you to marry people. I want you to start businesses and build deep, deep roots. And then in six and seven, he goes on to say, and this is my version, but and how it sticks to me is seek the prosperity and welfare of those around you and you, too, will prosper. And uh, so he, he's telling these guys, he's like, hey, I've sent you here. This didn't happen outside of my control. I've got you here for a reason. Um, yeah, you may call it pagan or different than you or however you want to get beliefs are different. But I've got you here for a reason. And I've called you to be here to be different, to be set apart, to seek the prosperity of this place. And, uh, you know, that could be through multiplying because they were called to give them, you know, have your daughters marry, marry their sons and vice versa um, through, you know, building businesses that would profit that community to um, just everything they do. Seek and pray for those people. Well, you know, we're also told to pray for our enemies and, and the Babylonians weren't necessarily their enemies per se. They were there. They weren't being slaughtered by them or anything, but um, God had sent them there and, and given them a platform in this place to seek the prosperity and welfare of the people there and so you know that's that's why we're here we know that we're going to bump elbows every day with people that we don't believe in and we don't see that as a bad thing we see that as opportunity yep. opportunity yep. to intermingle and hopefully you know every person that walks out of there one way or another will experience the love of jesus whether they know that or not and another way that we put that to our our people because not even all of our partners or people that work for us um love jesus but deep down inside of them when we use the words we want everybody to feel valued when they leave they can resonate with that they can see that and they're like that's something i want so 
whether a person loves Jesus or not, they can carry that out to the people that come in to the store and, and have a goal of making them feel valued. And, uh, you know, our value comes from Jesus. Hopefully all this other people realize that too. And, and, uh, we'll go from there leave the rest in God's hands. Just do what we're called to do. Absolutely. Now, are you guys a, um, I know you and, and the other owner are uh, both Christians, right? Yep. Yeah. Are you, um, do you advertise your business as a Christian business? Or is there anything like when you walk in, you're like, oh, there's Jesus on the wall, you know, something obvious? Or is it just, you just showing love to people and trying to show Jesus uh, to people that way? A little of both, right? I mean, if, if we're just doing it with our words, it means nothing. It's just all lip talk. If, I guess if your actions are, 100% loving people, but you're not doing it in the name of Jesus. Um, there's a lot of nice people out there. I've a lot, a lot, met a lot of very generous, nice people that someday I look in the mirror and I'm like, man, I just wish I could be that nice of a person, you know, and and come to find out they don't know who Jesus is. So um, there's, there's very generous, great people that don't know Jesus. And then there's um, people that know Jesus that do a lot of lip talk. So um, you'll find some scriptures on, on our walls. You'll find, uh, actually our latest radio advertisement actually <laughs> kind of takes any turn and we go off the, it says something like many people ask us every day why we opened a restaurant. And then I share what I just shared with you. And I said, and our friend Jeremiah says, <laughs> and I actually read those verses right on the radio. And then at the end I come to back and I say, yeah, that's right. Plant roots and seek the prosperity of those around us, you know. So, um, hopefully, hopefully both, you know. And and then we take the extra time. Um, our, the believers that work for us, we've given them the freedom that anytime they feel led, like God lays it on their heart to pray for somebody, go to their table, pray. You know, amazingly, nobody's ever turned prayer down. Wow. You know, they're like, please. You know, we've got some great stories out of that. So. Um, yeah, hopefully our our actions and beliefs or our, um, what would be the word, our theology becomes our biography really quick. That's our hope. You know, I think too, it's, it's almost, uh, you got a, uh, more responsibility if you do have scripture on the wall that people are going to know, oh, this is a Christian place. And then when Absolutely. you're, when the people behind the counter act like jerks, then, <laughs> then you have a real problem. So. I don't want to say that. So that's why they don't let me work there. Yeah, yeah. I'll say the, the bar is higher, not to not to demoralize any other business, but if you already are out front and saying we we are standing on the word of God or we we are re- we are representing Christ, you know every Christian is representing Christ, but you're straightforward in saying that, in portraying that, maybe not in saying it with those exact words. So in that sense. Um, how do you train your staff or at least the believers on your staff to say, Hey, you're not just representing double barrel. You're also representing Christ. So a lot of that is just, I mean, the believers on our staff that God has brought to us, um, you know, through COVID, everybody's struggling with labor because everybody's getting all this free money. So nobody wants to work. Right. Mm -hmm. But God's brought us people that, um, are willing to take less than the free money. Not that we want to pay him less, but, uh, and he's brought them to us. I mean, we have a guy named Damien, a guy named Amber, or a lady named Amber. Sorry if Amber's out there, um, but 
you know, those two are just solid foundation. Uh, Sherman, one of our cooks, um, his brother works there. And then, um, gosh, we probably have and I'm Elijah and McKenna. She's a YWAM student right now that's raising funds to go on her missionary trips. Um, and, she, like, she messaged us and just said, hey, I'm going to be there October, November, December. We talked to her a few times and we're like, you know, wow, God's given you us given you to us for three months so a lot of that jeremy is just god has blessed us with great people and amazingly great people that interact with our non-believing staff really really well to where we're seeing that staff come back and say why is it i mean they have conversations every day you can talk to damien amber mckenna maddie about these conversations they're having with the non-believers per se and you're just like it makes you go home, hit your knees and just pray and pray and pray and say, God, just keep me out of the way and you do what you're doing. So, um, that's the big thing. But then from there, you know, how do we communicate that with the non-believers just verbally as we're talking to them? Uh, like I said, I deep down, I think, uh, everybody wants to feel valued, um, and wants to have their importance. People are searching for their, their worth, their, their value in this world. And when you train and equip people and give them the tools and ability to go and show other people their value, um, whether they know or they're not, or whether they know or not, they're doing it for Jesus. Um, it empowers them. And then it rings up something that's inside of them because they're created and made in the image of God that just naturally comes to life. And then that turn comes, turns around and comes back and leads to those questions that happen amongst the, the partners at double barrel and, um, and then, you know, we just be who we are day in, day out. We don't shy away from um, sharing Jesus, sharing why we do things. And, uh, you know, a lot of times one of my favorite questions is like, hey, why would you guys give like you do? And uh, I'm a, we answer with, hey, glad you asked. It all starts with what Jesus did for us on the cross. And here's what he gave, his life. God sent his one and only son for us because we're sinners so we can basically walk through the scriptures walk through you know if you want to call it the romans road or just the gospel or however you want to say it like we walk through those yep god sent his son why because we're all sinners the penalty for that is death and you know everybody that believes in him can have salvation so that's why we give generously because he gave generously so when we take it back to that everybody's like huh okay and whether they believe it or not, you know, people are like, well, that's kind of cool. And you get needed responses. You get like, well, I've never heard it that way. Or, hmm. man, I don't know who Jesus is, but you make him sound different than people in my past, you know. Sure. And that's Turner. So. I think you kind of you kind of hinted at this, and I've heard this saying before. You can't outgive God. I might have even heard it from you. You can't outgive God, and I'm not saying that that's like a prosperity gospel, Joel Osteen type um, scenario. But I mean, it's, it is still a biblical truth in the sense, like even if you think of those who are self righteous, I think you mentioned before uh, people who are nicer than you, or who are, who are you know better people than you, yet they're not believers. So it's like. Well, what difference does it make what you give if you're not giving from the heart, if you're not giving, you know, really on behalf of Christ? So the idea of not outgiving God, it's like, well, what's the point of giving in the first place? Sure. And I, 
don't know what the question is. Yeah, well, I don't know. <laughs> it probably wasn't a very good question. It was just a transition. Or, uh, yes, I agree with you. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Ian, Tanner, do you guys have any more questions? Um, not a question per se. I do think it's, it's really awesome what you're doing there, Lucas. Um, uh, one thing I truly believe is that um, everyone is searching for Jesus. I don't think any, everyone knows it or, you know, it's something that's on the, on the front of their mind. But um, in fact, there's a book and I'm, I'm forgetting the author, but it's called um, it's called surfing for um, yeah, something like surfing for Christ. And it's about um, like surfing the web. It, it's, you know, just to be blunt, it's about people who, um, you know, they're going on online and um, are looking at things like pornography and stuff. What they're really searching for is for, Christ they just don't know how to find it and you know that that's that's true not necessarily of that but you know um, people are going out there um, alcoholics or people who have this or that vice you know really what they're searching for is God and so um, you know it, it's great that you guys are out there and you're you're leading people that direction uh, and they're coming to you and they're saying I don't I don't know what it is but something's different about you guys and then you're able to explain to them well it's Jesus and, and go over all that so that's really awesome what you're doing, I think. And I like how you also pointed out the the one person who said, um, I guess I don't know who Jesus is, but you presented him in a way that nobody else nobody else ever has before. And so I don't want to come up with an idea of, well, let's, let's put Jesus in a bow and make him more presentable to others. Mm-hmm. But I think if we go to the biblical Christ, if we go to the real resurrected Christ, we don't need to put a bow around him and make him more presentable to others. We just need to be honest. So, so the problem in the church today, and, and if I can say that, isn't that we've been too harsh with the gospel. It's that we've had the wrong gospel. That we've, we have not, we, we put too many bows on Jesus. We've tried to make him look different than he actually is. Um, because he was, if he is light, if he brought light into the darkness... You're, you're going to get a response for those who, who love the darkness. They're going to, you know, I always think about when you wake your children up in the morning, you got to turn the light on and, and, and you say, wake up. It's time to, you know, get ready for school. They're mad at you at first because they were sleeping. Their eyes were closed. They were used to the dark. And as soon as the light hit and you're trying to force them to open their eyes, there's a little bit of conflict. And in the same way, um, a non-believer who is ready to have his, his or her eyes opened, when that light shines, they're going to be... They're going to be thankful for that light being present versus, you know, if if you're just trying to shove light into darkness where somebody is still clenching their eyes shut, it's not going to not going to do any good at all. They're just going to get angry. And I guess that wasn't a question either, but just light in the darkness. And of course, so so light in the darkness, you your um, double barrel is a light into the darkness and and. No, you're not. That's not only theologically. I think you said um, bibliography or bio, biography. That yep. really wasn't a question either. Yeah, when our <laughs> theology becomes our biography, you know, that's really when. And and whatever you believe, you know, hats off to the people that believe differently, but their, you know, their theology translates into what their actions are or their biography. But even more so when you know Jesus has empowered us with His Spirit, equipped us and given us everything we need to be that light in the world. How much more powerful is that? So, yep. 
Another question I had is how do you uh, – I'll, I'll use the term fight because we are in a spiritual battle at least. I think we could all acknowledge that. And, and looking at the nation around us, we're, we're in a – we're in kind of – we're just in a battle all around. And we'll say the root of the battle, however you want to look at it, still is spiritual. It's the kingdom of darkness versus the kingdom of light, so to speak. So how do you in that sense fight for your family and your brand – uh, and you know, and your employees defending your employees in a sense. Yeah, so you're you're spot on. Like, and I I almost wish sometimes that we'd simplify it down to that. We're in a battle, and truth is, no matter how many ways it looks or how many different things it seems that are out there attacking, there's there's good and evil. There's the kingdom of light and there's the kingdom of darkness. Um, it's either. God working or the devil working. And if we simplified it down to that every single time um, and realize that, that truth, um, it would change our whole decision-making process. And it would just be that simple. Is this from God or is this from the devil? And so when it comes to that fight, that battle for for all of it, um, and I wish I could say that I, I do this perfectly every day, the big decisions usually, uh, no problem. You know, like, hey, in that battle first thing when a question comes on my life or am i supposed to do something is 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 this from god or is this from the devil and if i believe it's from god um you know i can take some time i can i can check it out uh see if it aligns with the scriptures his word and then go forward maybe maybe i need to pray for it or pray over it or ask for wisdom or discernment on how to go forward but the question's not whether i'm going forward or not it's you know if it's from god i'm i'm going forward and and i like i said like to say that i do that perfectly every day um my business partner nathaniel um he's really good at that uh there's been things that have came up over the two years that we've looked at and you know well one was uh last march uh the school shut down and his wife sent out a text to the four of us we're all equal owners as husbands and wives and it just said hey what do you think about feeding the kids while school shut down and you know we're like hearing these things like 14 days to flatten the curve and we're like we can do that we can feed a few kids for 14 days and um you know but the question that my wife and I because we were on the on the other end of the the text message that they sent to us was well is this a god thing or is it a devil thing and you know we just looked at each other and said feed the hungry kids that rely on the schools to get food um for this period of time is that a god thing or a devil thing and we said it was a god thing and we went and bought a few groceries and well long story short when god orders something he also pays for it nice we were faithful with what we had we took it we thought we bought enough food for a whole week to make sandwiches and chips and fruit and stuff and by the end of day two that uh, food was all gone wow. because instead of feeding 30 to 40 kids we ended up feeding a couple hundred those first couple days and, and this is where just like God brought the scriptures to life for us is he took that and he literally took our little lunchbox that we had and he multiplied it. And um, this is just who our God is. And I can't stress this enough. Like people are like, wow, you guys did awesome. And I'm like, no, we, we went and we bought a few groceries, had a plan of making a few lunches for 14 days. <laughs> well, we all know kids didn't go back to school until August september and god provided a way for us to feed those kids lunches every day all the way until september wow. our business stores were all open and he literally took 
a little lunchbox and multiplied it into over 15,000 lunches. You guys do the math on sandwiches and meat and mm. peanut butter and jelly and stuff. And like that doesn't fit our business budget. Right. Unless you have a God who all of this belongs to and he can just say, watch this. Yeah. So you order it and he multiplies it. And again, he orders it, he pays for it and provides a way if, if you're faithful. And that was just another one of those things that if we would have sat and dwelled on it and said, man, can we afford to feed all these kids? What if, what if 200 come instead of 40? Well, we would have been like, we'll be out in one day, you know, we'll be out Mm -hmm. in two days and we won't have a way to go forward. And then kids will be left hanging. And, but instead we, we kept that battle simple. We said, is this from God? Yes. So we're going forward. What do we need? And then he just blessed it, multiplied it, and took it. And and that was probably, I don't know, one of the, one of the top 20 like miracles that he's done in my life that I just don't understand how he did it or why he did it. But, um, And I can't lie, it was great for business too. But mm-hmm. it, if we hadn't been faithful with what he called us to do, I don't know where we'd be today. So I'm, I'm glad that uh, first Nathaniel's wife, Reba, sent that text. And then glad that in the moment we didn't let our fears, worries, finances um, control our decisions because, you know, from worldly wisdom, it wouldn't have made sense to commit to, to doing that. But uh, God blew it up. And uh, so back to the question was, how do you fight these battles? We try to keep them simple um, in everything. Like uh, we also believe at the double barrel, I'll start back as a father and as a husband, I'm protector, provider, and priest. And I hold on to those things. So when it comes to say, those, those are things that I can't get away from as a man who loves Jesus. Like those are my responsibilities. So a lot of times as Christians, and I see so many friends get wrapped up in, well, we have rights. Our government gives us rights. And I say, yes, absolutely. You know, we see Paul, Jesus, Peter, all, all claiming their rights as citizens at the time in the scriptures. So absolutely claim your rights, but even more so, we have responsibilities. So our rights that the government gives us, the government can also take them away, but they can't change our responsibilities as mm. a follower of Jesus. So when I fight those battles, like I really pick the ones like, if it's one of my rights that was given to me by man, I don't get too upset by it. I'll... I'll use it. I'll follow it to the point of um, protecting them. But if the government was to say, I, you can't have guns anymore, and they take that right away, they change the Constitution, well, then the government that God put ahead of us has taken our guns away. Now, on the other hand, some men might believe that you need guns to protect your family and that you cannot protect your family without guns. If you're one of those men, and that's part of you protecting your family and you believe your responsibility as a man is to protect your family, then, and you need a gun, then okay. So you got to have a gun. So the government's taking them away. God's called you to protect them. What do you do there? We lean towards keeping our guns. Um, I got to be able to provide for my family. So if the government comes and says, Hey, you got to close your business down. Well, not only am I, believe that I've been called to a place of providing for my family, but I'm also called to providing for the jobs of my employees, my partner, for providing income in a way and a means for them to 
eat and survive. So the government says, shut my doors. I'm going to say, no, sorry, I got a God-given responsibility that is greater than my right to provide for my family and right to do business that trumps um, the right that you just took away. And I cannot stop providing for my family. I cannot stop protecting my family. And then, you know, hopefully we don't see it in our lifetime that, you know, the government comes back and says, hey, you don't have a right to worship. You're not allowed to pray. You can't gather with other believers. But in that moment, if they take that right away, the right to gather, the right to assemble, um, well, I believe with all my heart that the scriptures call us clearly to gather, to um, be in the scriptures together, to pray together, to look out for one another. So that's where I draw the line as a business owner, as a father, is when, when my rights go away that are man-given, that's okay. But my responsibilities from God will never go away. And those are the things I'll fight for, and I'll do whatever I can till the end. Back to the battle that we're in. It's not against flesh and blood. It's against evil principalities, spirits, demonic things of this world. So i got to be starting on my knees and fighting them right there. And now, preparing for what may come. So um, that's where that battle's at. You know, I think it's fascinating, too, that you, you mentioned um, your family and your employees, and um, then the battle is not against flesh and blood. When you get into Ephesians and look at, you know, put on the, the belt of truth, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, a shield of faith, that comes right on the heels of servants obey your masters so there's that employee employer relationship which comes after children obey your fathers and fathers do not burden your children uh, which comes after husbands love your wives wives you know respect your husbands so if and when paul wrote ephesians he didn't write chapter one verse one he wrote a letter to the church in ephesus so in context, it's all spiritual war- warfare. It's husbands love your wives. Why? Because we're going to battle. Um, children obey your parents. Why? Because we're going to battle. Um, employees um, obey your your employers. Employers take care of your employees. Why? Because we're going to battle. Put on the you know. And so I th- I think. Too much in the modern church, we're, we're separating. We're looking. I think it's what's called dualism or or a two kingdom theology. Is you've got you've got this earth, which is just the here and now, um, and it's really it belongs to Satan. But Jesus, in some spiritual way, is ruling. And then when we get to heaven, then we'll rule finally with Jesus, and things will be better, and things will be as they were meant to be. But if you read through, if we read through how that's supposed to work, like family. Is spiritual warfare fam you know it's it's like we are here and now on this earth not just to go to church on sundays to have our i think you mentioned it like we're supposed to read the word together we're supposed to worship together um but our family life is part of kingdom life our our uh, work life is part of kingdom life if we read what paul writes in ephesus it's all part of the battle we can't separate them and say Okay, we're going to church on Sunday. Why? Because we're going to battle. We're gonna we're gonna praise and worship and and go fight. No, it's like we're always fighting. We're always in the battle in whatever capacity of our lives we're in. If you're not in the battle, you're vulnerable, right? Yeah. 
that's that's the other side of it. So, yeah, we better better be in it first. Know we're in it, and then be partaking in it. Mm-hmm. Any other questions for Lucas? Cool. Well, thanks, brother. God bless you. And where can we find Double Barrel? What's um what links you want to give uh, our listeners? Oh man, just uh, doublebarrel.cafe, Facebook, um, you know, internet, social media, Instagram, Facebook.